Welcome to the LA Confidential Podcast. I'm Christopher Elliott here with my boy Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hey there. How are you doing? Well, I feel less tired than I was in the last podcast, that's for certain. We're uh, recovered from our illness, mostly, although I still have a little bit of residue from our experience in uh, Ecuador and the Galapagos. How about you? Well, I don't know. I think that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He says as he stares into the distance. Yeah, I, I still, um, yeah, it's good. We uh, just got back from a tour. We'll tell you all about that in a moment, but we've been spending this past week in Santiago and around. In Chile. And, well, do you want to tell them what we've done this week? Yes, well, we went to Valparaiso. Is that the way? Valparaiso. Valparaiso. Valparaiso, yes. Valparaiso. It's called the Jewel of the Pacific. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it it was interesting. It was, I wouldn't say it was the Jewel of the Pacific. Maybe at one point it was. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. And uh, we've been hanging out in Santiago. We've toured a lot of different neighborhoods. Yeah. And we've found some places that we like and some places that we should probably not go back to. (laughs) yes absolutely to put it mildly and uh we are in it's the holidays so before we you know do anything else we should say happy holidays to everyone there are so many holidays just to celebrate so it you know we're being non-denominational and completely impartial but if you celebrate uh, christmas or hanukkah or kwanzaa or the solstice (laughs) <laughs> you can celebrate whatever you want to or nothing at all just get down with your bad self uh we are um we're here for it's since this is a majority catholic country we're here for for christmas and but we're here for a southern hemisphere christmas so uh our what's that look you're giving me you're giving me a weird look it is um uh it's a strange place to be for for Christmas, because it's it's not snowy, and they aren't they don't have a lot of lights out. So, uh, w- I thought this week a good question might be: What is the strangest place that you've been for the holidays? And by the holidays, I mean the winter holidays. Absolutely. So, tell us what was your strangest experience outside of the United States, or even inside the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, during the holidays. So, and that could be, I mean, what sort of range are we looking for? Just Christmas? Any, well, you know, this Any time of year, yes. winter solstice activities? Like, you know, uh, Florida, sometimes in Florida, you, it gets warm and you go to the beach Christmas Day or California. I think the weirdest that we've ever experienced is Doha, Qatar, mm-hmm. which does not celebrate Christmas because it's a Muslim country. And we should also give a, a shout out to our friends, Mitch and Sam, who... Um, on our recommendation, went to Doha. There's pictures of them on Facebook, enjoying Q-Suites. And uh, hi, guys. Hope you're having fun in Doha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Q-Suites were really fun. I remember being able to do that for two, two yes. airline, airplane rides. Oh, those were And those long. were two really important airplane rides because that was like two days of traveling. And so having those Q-Suites allowed me to sleep and to wake up you know, at like 7 p.m. in uh, in Perth about a year ago. Yeah, well, it was good for me because I was recovering from that ski injury and I still had my, my uh, pelvis hurt like you wouldn't believe. So I was able to uh, get some sleep 
just barely, but Q Suites is the business class for Qatar Airways. Yeah, yeah. Qatar Airways is a nice airline to be riding. I wonder if they have any Qatar flights running through Santiago. Yes, they do. I've seen them here. Mm. Yeah. I've talked to someone from Qatar Airways while we were there, and they said that they aspire to be the Pan Am of the 19, like Pan Am in the 1970s, which was an incredible airline in the 60s and 70s. I actually flew on Pan Am back then. I was a little boy. It was great. So let's talk about what we've done in Santiago so far, because we alluded to the fact that we went to Barparaíso and yeah. Viña del Mar, and also we discovered some different neighborhoods here in Santiago de Chile. So we sure tell did. me, what do you think has been the best neighborhood in that we've seen so far? Well, we've walked in a place called Las Condes, which we've walked in a neighborhood called Las Condes, which is very nice. It's kind of like, it's more upscale and it's got shopping and, and uh, it's very clean. Not a lot of graffiti, like that a lot. But last week we also went to the Human Rights Museum which is all about, you know, the um, dictatorship that happened here in the 1970s um, and all the political turmoil and some of the unfortunate things that happened then. And we had to go through some neighborhoods that were not so nice. Yes, so there are some places here like Barrio Yungay. There's this road that goes through the um, Plaza de Armas de Santiago. Yeah. They've got um, a church and a historical museum there, but it's kind of, you know, a little bit run down. What happened was that in uh, 2019, there were riots after the government raised metro fares by four cents. It was just four cents. And uh, there's a huge wealth disparity here. And so people felt like they had no choice but to go out on the streets. And they really went to town literally, mm -hmm. and they spray painted a lot of buildings. So you see a lot of these really beautiful old Beaux-Arts buildings that are spray painted and they don't look very good right now. Hopefully they'll fix those soon. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the museum though? Yeah, the museum was um, what you would expect for this sort of subject matter that it was covering. And, um, but I would say you could probably get a better experience just like on the internet. <laughs> like it's really yeah. not, I mean, it's a free museum, but I don't think it's worth going to. Well, you know, there are, and maybe it was because most of it was in Spanish and my Spanish not so good. So there were exhibits that were translated into English, but what I found myself doing was then later on going back to the internet and trying to put together, uh, you know, piece together a more complete picture of what had happened during the mm -hmm. Pinochet years. And we, we really, uh, you know, I mean, it's, this is something that's so, that is so close to the Chilean people that I think that they maybe missed a thing or two when they were doing the museum, like the context. If you're coming from outside, you really don't know what you're looking at. They assume everyone else knows what they're looking at because they lived through it, but we didn't. So for us looking at the museum, we're like, well, what does, what is this? You know, what happened here? Well, everyone mm. knows what happened here. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a redundancy, but you know, I think that the interesting bit about Chilean history is something that you can easily get online. And I would actually say it's better you get it online before going to that yeah, museum. Yeah, best to go online and then to see the museum, mm -hmm. not the other way around, which is what we did. What do you think of Santiago just in general? Being here in the middle of summer, it's very close to the summer solstice now, so we're getting 
14 hours of 15 hours of daylight and it's summer and I think I may have mentioned it's summer. Did I mention that it's summer? It's summer. And like there are very few, you know, usually when you are somewhere for Christmas, you see the lights and the lights are everywhere, but there's no need for Christmas lights right now because everything's mm -hmm. so bright, you know? Yeah. From 5 a.m. to 9 p.m., it is light outside. Yeah. And it is also relatively hot, but not as hot as you would expect it to be. So that's just the thing is if you're coming here, you might think, oh, it's going to be so hot. Eh. I mean, have you been to Arizona? Yeah, uh, it's not as hot as Arizona in the summertime. Or even is, Texas. Which is not saying much, but it's not really, you get these, what's weird about the weather here is that you get, get these warm days. Like today, for example, it's in the high 80s. It's like 32 degrees for a high. But um, two days ago, it was pretty cool. You had enough, this breeze coming in off the Pacific, and it was nice. You know, no mm -hmm. need to be running the air. We haven't run the air conditioner here yet. Well, I have because my room is a hot little hot box. But yeah, definitely you can open up the windows and it's dry enough and it is cool enough that, you know, you can go without AC here, which is really cool because I think that a lot of places in modern day, they, they never had coolers. They never had AC and now they need AC. And we wonder why. Like, oh, why are there no AC units in London or Paris? Because it gets so hot there now. You know, in the summer, yeah, well, they have little heat now. waves. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so now they all need AC units. And mm -hmm. we wonder, well, why do they need AC units? Well, it used to be like this here in Santiago. I don't know. Uh, well, when we were in London, it was so hot. And we could go back to our podcast from then. We were dying. And mm -hmm. I don't think that, and people didn't have ACs in their homes, so they were running to places like the museum and the mall just to stay cool. Exactly. And I remember when we were in Paris, the 19th arrondissement, and, um, you know, I wasn't able to sleep until it, you know, got below maybe 28 Celsius. It was so hot. I was just sitting on the sofa, like binge watching Netflix, <laughs> just trying to pass the time. Yeah, that was, that was tough. But Paris is nice, though. I mean, Paris had a lot of things that I liked. Exactly. Air conditioning was not one of them. Very unfortunate, yeah. What did you think of Thursday when we went to Valparaiso? Valparaiso. Valparaiso. Sorry. Valparaiso. My Spanish and not so good. What did you think of that? Well, I think that I'm really happy that we decided to go to Santiago. Instead of Valparaiso. Instead of Valparaiso. Okay, so let's just set this thing up. Valparaiso is on the Pacific coast of Chile. Chile is a very long country. It is shaped like a Chile. It's 5,000 kilometers long, and we're about in the middle of it here. And so on the coast is a town called Valparaiso, and it is on a hill. So it, it, it's one of those like almost Mediterranean Greek cities that is on a hill with a lot of buildings. Mm-hmm. And then there's a port. Yep. And so we arrived there, and what was the first thing that we saw when we got there? The first thing that we saw when we got there, well, was a lot of graffiti and a lot of dilapidated buildings, unfortunately. So I would say that if you like graffiti and dilapidated buildings, <laughs> the gritty, gritty city trademark experience, go to Valparaiso, definitely. And you're going to get sort of Lisbon and Athens Except a little bit worse. Plus, it's Lisbon and Athens plus. 
very rundown and not very well maintained. The first thing that I remember going mm -hmm. there was we went to this port where they were selling fish. It was an open air fish market. Mm -hmm. And there were these sea lions, huge sea lions, beautiful, huge sea lions hanging out on the rocks. And one of the sea lions decided he was going to go take a walk in the road with the cars. <laughs> yes. And then a dog decided it was going to defend humanity. The dog actually, yes, chased the sea lion back into the ocean or onto the rocks. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like that. And it was like, it, it was one of those made for YouTube moments. Unfortunately, the moment didn't last anything longer than about 10 seconds. Yeah. So not so much YouTube worthy, but it was definitely an interesting scene at the fist market. Too bad we can't record the smell. But trust me, <laughs> yes. it's not something you would have liked to have smelt. I think that if we had gone to a different part of, of Valparaiso, we probably would have had a different experience. But once you get up onto the mountain and you're looking out, it is quite beautiful. Uh, it's just that when you get too close, there's these different neighborhoods. There's like an Italian neighborhood and a German neighborhood because a lot of uh, immigrants came to Chile to in the 19... Uh, in the 19th and 20, early 20th century because they had saltpeter there. And mm -hmm. so they would go and trade. So they, they built these beautiful neighborhoods. Um, unfortunately, when you look at these neighborhoods up close, they are not so nice to look at. They're spray painted and run down. It's too bad. You know, we were looking at, there was someone selling a home for about 350 million Argentine pesos, which is about three hundred fifty thousand dollars U.S. A little bit more than that, more be, more around four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's not really that much of a good deal. No, not a good deal at all. Yeah. So, would you? I guess this is kind of a stupid question. Would you go back to Valparaiso uh, for any reason at all? I think you know. I think I know the answer. I think you know. <laughs> well, I think that if we had gone to Santiago and just gone to the neighborhoods that we went to last week, we might say, no, we don't ever want to come back to Santiago. But now that we've had a chance to explore it, yeah, there are places here that make but, it worthwhile. But we did a tour of Valparaiso and yeah. Viña del Mar. And um, if there were no good places to see, then I would have expected that we saw no good places. I mean, we were supposed to see yeah. the town. And what we saw was maybe left something to be desired. It did. We had lunch at a little place that did empanadas, which is something mm -hmm. that's a, of a specialty here in Chile. And very Spanish. It, yeah, you know, and I got to tell you, I, my theory is that the Chileans will eat a little bit for lunch, like a little empanada, and then they, at dinner time they'll just gorge themselves on a huge, you know, massive dinner. It's the tapas model. The, yeah, yeah. And we do the opposite. We actually eat. Um, a very large breakfast, a kind of a medium-sized lunch, and then sometimes we skip dinner. Oftentimes we skip dinner. But spending the holidays, and I'm not much of a like Christmas guy. I don't like go all out and get a big tree or anything like that. But spending the holidays here. So for us, we, I was raised in a Christian home, and so I celebrate Christmas with my family. And so be, being here for Christmas is really weird because they don't really do a lot of decorations, and it feels like the moment Christmas is over here, all the decorations are going to come down and it's going to be like any other day in the summer. 
Well, there's not a lot of decorations. I just don't think that people here have that sort of, um, what do you call it? They're not into it. Disposable income either, where, you know, there's a lot of wealth inequality. Um, but even if you are wealthy, you just, you, know, you don't buy decorations here. I don't know. You put your money into like your next iPhone or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they spend their money, um, but it's definitely not on um, pa paint for the, uh, for their um, buildings. I think they, they could very easily, you know, paint over the graffiti if they wanted to, but for some reason, and I think maybe they, they believe it's street art. I don't know, but it's, they, there's a lot of graffiti here. In our last podcast, we asked you to tell us about your best climate shock story, you know, going from summer to winter, winter to summer, darkness to light. And, and the reason why we asked that was because we were just getting used to being in a place that had 14 hours of daylight. How's that going, by the way, Aaron? Getting used to that? Well, you kind of do. You just, you just have to. But unfortunately, it's really difficult to wake up early in the morning. Somehow you managed to figure that one out. I don't know. Maybe in my room, there's just more light because it's t faced towards the sun. But I've offered to switch rooms with you now. You can... I'm oppressed, guys. My dad <laughs> won't give me the room with no sunlight. And I'm not able to sleep. I'm a bad Call father. for help. Bad father. Bob says, when he started his career as a flight RN, I flew a teenager from New York to Sydney. Uh, it was summer in New York, and I packed accordingly, and it was not summer in Sydney. <laughs> not summer. I love it. Lesson learned. It does get cold in Sydney. Yeah, it gets real cold. Actually, they have skiing uh, near Melbourne, which is not too far south. Melbourne. And, uh, Mel Melbourne. And there's, there are mountains there. there are, they have the Australian Alps, as they call them. Um, so, yeah, be warned. They do have mountains there. All right, Christy says, My husband and I were booked for a tour of Israel and were scheduled to fly to San Francisco the day after the Hamas attack. All flights were suspended to Tel Aviv, but the second half of our trip to London and Belgium was already bo fully booked with tickets, hotels, etc. We bought last-minute tickets to Alaska, 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 where we were residents and spent a few weeks there. We were already in California for our flights to Tel Aviv. From there, we flew to Seattle for a trip to see polar bears in Churchill, Canada. It was relatively mild in Churchill and mostly around zero, so cold. Then we flew to Texas to celebrate a friend's retirement and went back to Seattle to exchange suitcases and flew to London, then to Belgium to, compl uh, to complete our originally scheduled trip. While the climate was vastly different in all of the places, the most difficult part was packing for varying climates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, Christy, that's total whiplash, like going from one place to the other. We really want to go see the polar bear polar bears in Churchill. I think that this will be our summer, like Northern Hemisphere summer to do that because we're going to be in Canada. <laughs> yeah, but being near polar bears is scary because those are some of the most aggressive animals on earth. So stay, polar bears. stay on your side of the ice flow. Stay, stay on your <laughs> side of the car. <laughs> That's right. Sam, who we talked about before and who is now in Qatar, says, I actually travel for the climate shock. Living in the Southern California desert in August, it's 115 degrees. 
Okay, yeah, that is shocking. Um, she says, I've traveled to Santiago several times in late winter um, as it turns to spring. And the climate shock is celebratory. When I lived in New Zealand and the dreary, rainy winter months went on and on, I went for the climate shock of Rarotonga Beach or sunny Queensland in Australia. When you walk off the plane into temperate weather, it's one of my favorite things. You know what, Aaron? That is one of my favorite things as well. Um, and and you, can, you don't have to leave the country to do that. You can fly from New York to Key West <laughs> in, try in February. Yeah. So you get on a plane in, like, like in Newark, and then you fly, if, you can, if there's a direct flight to Key West, is just fly right down to Key West. You get on the plane, and it's um, for below freezing. And then you get off the plane, and it's this warm. It's the wet blanket, the humidity of being in Key West. And I, I absolutely love Key West. I think the best example that we have of climate shock over the past year was when we traveled from London, which was experiencing heat waves up to sweltering hot, 36 degrees. It was really hot yeah. and humid too, because it's London. And we went up to Hirkenes, Norway, where it was maybe a high of two to four degrees, it was very which is about enough. 40 uh, Fahrenheit. Hirkenes. I like how you say that. It's very... Hirkenes. Hirkenes. Yeah. yeah, that's how they say it, supposedly. It was so close. We were right, right on the Russian border. They had signs mm -hmm. in that were in Cyrillic. Harvey says, I was visiting a friend in Tucson in January. We enjoyed a nice picnic outdoors where the temperatures were a very warm 90 degrees in January. Wow. Afterward... I had to fly to Minneapolis, St. Paul. <laughs> and when I arrived that evening, the temperature was a minus five degrees. <laughs> okay, that is shocking. Well, I think that's all we have time for today <laughs> yes. for the Ellie Confidential Podcast, reading your comments. Thank you so much uh, for all of the stuff that you've told us and all of the fascinating stories. Yes, fascinating. Don't forget this week's question, which is, where's the strangest place that you've been for the winter holidays? Uh, we have our stories that we've shared from Doha and now in Santiago, but I'm sure you've got some better ones. Have a happy holidays, everyone. Have a happy, happy holiday. La, 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 la. Bye. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao.